two months later, he's saying, wow, my new goal is 200 students. He totally broke through who he could be and who he was and what he provided. And that's really a, a testament to the humility that people come into, into our program, but then also the mindset growth that happens. For over 260 episodes, Dwayne Brummett and Ali Albarigo have been sharing how to take your martial arts school to the next level. Welcome to another edition of SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Now here's your host, Dwayne and Ali. Well, hello, Dwayne Brummett here with Ali Albarigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Ali, great to be with you, sir. And our guests, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, so uh, let's let's talk about what we're going to do today because uh, we're 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 actually doing a podcast on a Monday rather than a Wednesday, which you're going to make my week go by even quicker now. But <laughs> yeah, it was kind of weird for me too. I'm like, I know I have something to do. I got to do it. I'm like, what do I? What is it? I have it in my calendar, but I'm like, okay, let me go look. I woke up early this morning, not sure that the time to do it, and uh, and said, oh, it's at one. Okay, I don't have to stress out at all. So how are you guys doing? What's going on? I mean, these are our our we call them our expert advisors. They're sponsors of our show, and they are from uh, GetKarateStudents.com and a host of other things that they do. And um, it's just awesome to have you guys here with us today. So what's what's new? What's going on with you guys? It's good to be here. Good to be here. We're glad to uh, get on and start talking about the, uh, the industry and stuff that we're seeing, and I'm sure that you guys are seeing as well. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Dwayne? Any, anything going on with you as far as stuff like that? I know I've been so crazy busy with leads and trial classes and, uh, you know, it's been exciting. I'm like, wow, if this continues, this will be an incredible year. Well, now's the time to advertise, you know, and that's yeah. kind of what we want to pick your brain with regards to, you know, the state of our industry and, and, and your advice because of the amount of schools that you are, you know, able to help with their, uh, with their advertising. Um, you know, you guys, you guys have some leverage with regards to seeing numbers maybe and, and uh, being in contact with those individuals. And, you know, so we're, we're curious if you can let our listeners in on what the heck is happening in our, in a, you know, in our industry, especially towards the, hopefully towards the end of COVID here. Um, and, and by the way, I, I want to make sure everybody knows, because those of you that aren't, aren't watching, you're only listening to this. Uh, we have John and Travis from uh, GetKarateStudents.com uh, with us today for our expert panel. And again, thanks for being with us, gentlemen. Uh, real quickly, uh, John, uh, I don't know if you want to go first or Travis, but just make sure you say your name for the listeners, you know, not the not the watchers, but, but give us a little quick background of each of you. Sure, I'll go. This is John Evans. Uh, my background's actually in marketing and sales, not martial arts. I know there's a lot of guys that have done uh, like have started a martial arts school, figured out marketing kind of on their on their path and then have started to transfer that knowledge to other school owners. Mine was sort of the opposite. I started in mar in marketing and in sales uh, and had a digital marketing agency, stumbled into uh, the martial arts industry only because my son was training in a Taekwondo school. And uh, I, it never even dawned on me that they would be a good client until uh one day I saw a picture of him, of my son, who had grown like three feet in the amount of time he was in the school. And I was like, wow, he's grown so much. And I look at his school and they had the same number of students they had like five years prior. And I was like, maybe they would be a good client for uh, digital marketing. And uh, it just took off from there. They referred us a bunch of clients. Eventually, we just completely rebranded as a martial arts marketing specialty because it just works so well for one. And we just love working with martial arts school owners. And, uh, you know, compared to any other business industry that I've been in, I've just found that martial arts school owners are my favorite to work with because they're passionate about what they do, which you don't find in a lot of industries. You don't find restaurant owners per se. I mean, sure there are some, but a lot of restaurant owners that I've worked with, they're not passionate about feeding people. They just, you know, have a restaurant and they, they feed people, you know, right. as a martial arts school owner, like there are guys that will do anything to keep that business and to make that business successful. And that's the kind of people I love working with. So that's sort of how we got into the industry. That's my, the briefest background I can give you. <laughs> Travis, how about you? Long. I like it. It's a good, good choice. 
Yeah, for me, I mean, uh, I was a teacher, uh, high school history teacher, U.S. history for, uh, I don't know, 13, 14 years, kind of all bleeds together. Kind of like Ali said, you know, the, kind of just you forget after a while. Yeah. Um, and I coached uh, football and lacrosse uh, in all those years. I think last time we were on, I think, uh, Dwayne, you called me an athletic supporter. Yes. Um, if I remember correctly. So that's personal that's doc strap. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So that title has uh, stuck. My wife has uh, has adopted it. Um <laughs> So uh, that's and yeah, I've been working with John for a couple of years now. Been able to you know translate, you know, I can really relate to what school owners go through because they are teachers. It's just they're they're teaching something different. They are coaches. They're coaching something different. So I definitely uh, can empathize where they're at. And then just uh, being able to coach and work with them really has been a been an awesome opportunity. That's great. Yeah. So uh, you uh, you guys uh, met how real quickly? So we met at church. Uh, I, I was attending a church called Stone Point here uh, in Cumming, Georgia, and uh, we'd been coming for, I don't know, a couple of months, maybe at the most. We hadn't we weren't there long. It's a very small church. And Travis and his wife came in. And uh, at first I thought Travis probably didn't like me. He was kind of like he's so cool. He's such a cool guy, you know, and he's like uh, he's sitting in this room and I'm like, hey, I don't think I've met you yet. And I just got this vibe like he doesn't want to be here. He doesn't want to talk to me. But it turned out that that really wasn't the case. Uh, if maybe you could give some perspective on that, Travis. But yeah, I'm very gregarious when I know people. But if I don't know people, I'm very kind of standoff. Like it's something I got to be better about. Um, <laughs> I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. So it's good that John introduced himself. Um, yeah, we met at church. It, it was awesome. I, I, I wish John would tell my wife more often how cool I am and how you know awesome I am. That's a, a deal John and I have. Anytime we have a compliment for each other, we don't tell each other. We we text each other's wives. Um, just to really kind of build it up. That's good. It, it ties yeah. in and helps you guys out that way. Yeah. Yeah. It so, means more. So that's interesting. You know, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that. Like, you know, you you see someone just basically on on a imagined imagination, you're imagining the way they feel and what they're thinking based on your own your own belief system, right? And I, I find that's interesting. Like perception is is an interesting thing in the martial art industry, right? And um, my ex-wife, who she and I are best of friends, she always said perception is reality, but it's your reality and your perception, right? So I wonder, like, what would you say as a segue in the in the industry that school owners feel is is real when in reality you guys are probably saying no it's it's not like like it's not at all like that like for example i can't make that much money or charge that much in my town or i can't do this in my area or in my style i you know what do you run across when you're training people and talking to them about stuff like that yeah i'd say that's you're so good at this ali i gotta give you that compliment if you want i'll text your wife and tell her how good you are good she's in the living room right now but really, I'm giving my number out to my wife because I, I I wouldn't I don't know that I want one of my friends texting my wife. Wayne's handing out some Google Voice number to everybody. Oh, you want to get a hold of my wife? Here's right. <laughs> <Google> <laughs> I know I have a Google Voice number. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, that was a great segue, Ellie. I just I was really impressed by that. So anyhow. Um, I do think that you're right about that. Perception is definitely reality. And I think there there are, uh, so we do a Q&A call every Monday and Thursday with our members so they can get on and ask questions and tell us, you know, kind of where they're having trouble and we work them through that kind of stuff. And so uh, I do hear oftentimes people come on and they say, well, people in my area are just scared to come in right now. Or, you know, they have this perception of how everyone in their area is. And the reality is it, it, when we usually dig into that and I say, well, how many people have told you that? Well, one. Right, right. <laughs> or two, you know, and. Even, uh, three, even three, four or five doesn't three, matter. Four or five, right. <clears throat> yeah, we have. Uh, and, and even before COVID happened, uh, people would get on the call and they would have this uh, tendency to say things like, well, everyone is doing this or no one is showing up for appointments or all these leads aren't booking or that kind of stuff. And when we really dig into the numbers, you find that the data pool is just way too small. So we did it. We have actually set up a lot of rules for troubleshooting stuff where we tell them, look, uh, you know, if you've got and, and really just in that is trying to reshape their perception to 
help them understand what reality really is. And so this is a that's a really good phrase that you said there where perception is reality. I never really put that together, but something that we do in our in part of our coaching is we give them the rules to say, if you're going to say this is a reality, this is how many people you have to have talked to before you can say it works or it doesn't work. Right. So one of those examples would be like, if you've had three leads and none of them have booked an appointment, you're not allowed to say no one's booking an appointment. You have to have had 20 leads and have less than 10 who booked an appointment where you can say this isn't working. Cause that's usually when we found is about the maximum where the numbers start to pan out or the minimum where the numbers are. Okay, so that's a good standard though to look at. So that is a standard that you guys go by when within your, your coaching. So at least a minimum of 10 before you could start putting together any kind of, you know, a trend or any kind of real reality based upon a belief system. Absolutely. Yeah. We're just basically trying to restructure the belief system to say, this is the reality in big numbers. Like we know the numbers in reality in big numbers. We've enrolled 10,000 students probably. I don't even, that's what we've been saying for months. So it's probably way more than 10,000 students, but you know, we can reverse engineer that and say, if you have a hundred leads, you're going to have 50 appointments. You're going to probably have 40 or from 50 appointments, probably 25 will show up probably 12 of those uh, or of 25. Oh my gosh, my numbers are off. 50% of appointments sh uh, book, right? So if you get 50% of leads turn into appointments, about 50% of those show up on average. When they show up about 99%, I usually say 90%, but the reality is really 99% will pay for a paid trial that day. And then about 50% of those will enroll as students. So those are my numbers. <laughs> I yeah. got to them eventually. So we know that on a big scale. But if, if people are looking at those numbers and they say, well, half of my leads should book an appointment, but they've got five leads and no one's booked an appointment yet. Sometimes they freak out and they go, hey, nobody's booking. And so we, we know that it's going to start to take effect at about 20. Once you've seen about 20 leads, you should have right. about an appointment. So that's a, that's really a good uh, perception of reality. I might borrow that from you. I might model something after. <laughs> yeah, well, remember the last part. That's very important, though. Perception is reality, but your perception is okay. your reality. Because, right. you know, okay. um, just because the, the crazy homeless guy who's a little mentally ill thinks that you're, you know, you're an alien doesn't necessarily mean you're an alien, but to him, you are. And I find that interesting in mm -hmm. our industry. Like people's belief systems have been passed down. It's generational. Right. You know, so a, a, a sensei who wasn't a school owner, really, per se, running a business, passed all his beliefs down to his student and his student opened up a school. And now they think and believe that way. I mean, I used to I, this is a funny thing, but I would actually teach with a Spanish accent when I was teaching my own classes in my school because I came from a, a school that had a Spanish population and my teacher was Spanish. So I'd be like, I don't know, man, what are you doing? You know, tucking your shin, you gotta, you know, like, like with that. And I didn't realize I look back on videos and I want to shoot myself like, cause it wasn't me, but it was just what I did. It was the craziest thing ever. So that became my paradigm or what I would consider my paradigm back in the day. Cause I didn't know how to say the word. <laughs> well, I think Al, you hit it on the head too. This idea, like you said, your perception is your reality. You know, stories are powerful, and all day long we tell ourselves stories, right? We're, we're constantly narrating in our head what's going on around us. And um, kind of like John said, you know, a lot of our school owners they kind of come in with that, but so much of our coaching is around mindset because if you can't right. break through the mindset, you know, I, I think a lot of what I hear is actually outside of our community. And it kind of reminds me that I, I've heard that term perception is reality a long time ago. Well, I used to work at a bank. I was a bank teller. And I remember I was on the phone. Um, we had an IT problem, like the system was down or something. So I was on the phone with someone in the IT department who happened to be my friend. Um, so it was a very, on the outside, it was me on the phone having a very friendly conversation on the phone. Um, but I was actually problem solving a, a big issue. And there's a line, it's Friday afternoon, everyone's cashing their paychecks. There's a line out the door. And I remember this person just just loses it. They totally flip out on me because in their mind, I was just standing around on the phone with a buddy. Right. While there's this long line not working. Right. Uh, where in reality, I was I was helping them yeah. in a roundabout way, right? Getting the IT problem solved. So that's when someone told me that that term perception is reality, and it really is just kind of John working with John has helped me um, having this idea of always giving the benefit of the doubt, but then also checking your feelings or your perception with really unbiased data, right? So 
for me, I, I talk to a bunch of school owners, you know, and I might get into the situation where 10 people don't answer or 10 people don't have, you know, any, I, I don't know, just 10, 10 people have the same thing in common. I'll get on the job. I'm like, oh man, this is awful. This is, he's like, Hey, let's, let's look at the numbers. Where are the numbers going? And the numbers never lie. Um, it reminds me of when I coached the fit, when we coached football, we, we always filmed everything. And if a, if a kid said this, this, and this, we're like, all right, we'll, we'll check the film. And the film always told the story because there's no, there's no interpretation of that. Right. right. Um, so same kind of thing, just kind of going back to what I was saying is I think we all need to caution ourselves, me included with what stories we tell ourselves throughout the day. Cause when we start narrating these stories where we don't have any data to really actually back up what we're telling ourselves, it totally can misconstrue, you know, how, how we're seeing things and, and how we're perceiving things. That's awesome. Yeah. Great. Don't you, don't you run into, um, I know this was, this was me. You know, I uh, decided to make this a career and did not have a business background at all. Um, I'm not saying I'm a phenomenal martial artist, but I think I was a, a decent motivator and 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 uh, great teacher. Um, but when it came to the business, I, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. And then to hear other people charging exuberant amount of money compared to what I was charging and having, you know, even 200 students at the time, so it seemed to me like, gosh, if I was at 100, I would have been happy. Um, how do you, how do you help change that perception with someone? Because it took me years to get that perception changed. It wasn't just an overnight thing, and I think that's probably one of the biggest keys, right? Is to get them to um, see themselves in a different light based upon the numbers. How do you get them to believe the numbers? Yeah, so I think that's a really great question, and I think that's something that we've really tried to uh, to focus on. And part of the training that we do, the first week of it is uh, setting the foundations, and a lot of what that is is setting up that belief, but then giving them expectations. So we'll tell a lot of stories. Again, it's about the stories. We'll tell a lot of stories about clients that we've had in the past that have done things, and we try to relate to as many different. Uh, scenarios as possible for um, for a school owner so that they can say, oh, this person is like me. They were able to do that. Why can't I do that? And that's sort of the reinforcement. You know, we say this is what you should expect. Now, here's this person who did it. And then they can actually go into our Facebook group and see that that person is doing it. You know, I think that's a huge part is that community aspect of it. Uh, when I first got into uh, business coaching and business consulting, uh, Facebook groups, either either they didn't exist or I had no idea what they were or how to use them. And it was really difficult to get people to understand, hey, all these other people are doing it. You're having this problem that's all in your head. This is, you know, if you would just turn your belief and believe that you could do this thing, you'd stop sabotaging yourself. Look at this group of people. And half the time, you'd have to like have another client call... <laughs> You know, you're, you're doing these like cross conversations, then you got to offer them some type of incentive for their time. And it was it was difficult. But with the thing like Facebook groups, the community online, uh, I don't know how I honestly don't know how we have been so blessed with such a uh, active community. But um, inside of our members group, people are constantly sharing successes People are constantly getting in there and helping each other. And I don't even I don't even know how that started or if it's just a natural byproduct of some of the uh, the training and the mindset we've done with them or if it's just an industry thing. But whatever it is, that community aspect of it is so invaluable uh, that that I think plays a huge role in setting expectations. You know, if, if you just join a program and you've paid your money and now you're wondering, hmm, is this going to work? You get invited to this Facebook group and the first three posts you see are somebody that's hit 200 students, somebody else that's run out of room for uh, parents in their classes, someone else who's just turned on their ads that's you know celebrating how many leads they've got coming in. That kind of thing just automatically goes, it should make you think, well, hey man, these people are all doing it. And the only thing they have in common is that they're running this program. I better get in here and start doing this work. you know. And we actually, we don't just preach to them either. We don't just like, you know, send them on a video. We actually give them worksheets where they can dig in and put their own details in. Because another thing that I found in the martial arts is not everybody wants to be a million dollar school. 
Not everybody wants to have 300 students. A lot of people would be happy, like you said, Dwayne, to have 100 students and be able to, to provide a really good class for those 100 students. Some right. of them want even less than that. We took on one client that wanted, what was it? What was uh, Andrew's goal, Travis? Yeah, I think uh, it might be a mutual friend. I think he's also friends with uh, Dwayne, yeah. uh, Andrew. Yep. And kind of to what John was saying, I think to the the blessing that we have with the people that are in our in our group and part of our program, I think it's really a reflection of who you are. I mean, I think if if you own a school, you, people typically attract who they are, right? If you're someone that's self-serving and that's that's uh, servant leading, you always want to help. Um, you're humble, then you naturally attract those same type of elements, right? So I think we've been able to attract that in our group um, for a lot of different reasons. The biggest hurdle to get through that is the self-limiting beliefs that they have. And that goes to who, you know, kind of what you're talking about, John. We had a, a mutual friend, Dwayne Andrew, who, you know, I'd been talking to Andrew for probably a year and a half because um, I knew it was just such a good fit for him and what he was doing. Because not, it's not a good fit for everybody, but I knew it was a good fit for him. So I'd follow up, check in on him. And then finally, one day he was like, hey, man, I'm struggling. If, if I don't get six students in the next you know, three or four months, I got to close the door. And uh, he, he, I still think this is hilarious. I, I told him six students, you know, we'll get that in a couple of weeks. Like that's not, we don't need to stress about that at all. And I, afterwards he told me he rolled his eyes at me. We were on the phone. He was rolling his eyes as I was saying that, but he was humble enough to say, hey, look, I got to do something different. I got to break through this self-limiting belief. I got to listen to someone like John and Travis and these other school owners who have been there and just trust this kind of process and humble myself that I don't know everything. And he did. And I think he got six students in like a week. And then he doubled his school in like six weeks. And one of the best, he's, I love telling his story because a month later, here was a guy a month before he wanted six students to keep the doors open. That would get him through the moon. Life is amazing. Two months later, he's saying, wow, my new goal is 200 students. He totally broke through who he could be and who he was and what he provided. And that's really a, a testament to the humility that people come into, into our program, but then also the mindset growth that happens. Um, another example would be Kevin, uh, a guy from North Carolina. We we're just talking about North Carolina um, with the tuition, because I think Dwayne, you started off with the tuition question. I think his prices were around like 129, 130. I, I can't tell you how many school owners I talk to when their prices are low. They just can't see that someone would pay 200, $250, $300 a month for their program, um, not even including belt testing and things like that. And I remember Kevin, um, I think he was at like 129. He's like, oh, do you think I can raise it, John? I don't know. And John was just like, look, just raise it $10 for the next conversation you have. The next person that you try to enroll, just make it 139. And if that person signs up, keep it at 139 for five people. And if all those people sign up, move it to 149. And then now I think he's charging 199 a month for his tuition. But it's just being able to be in a group of people that are humble um, and have this idea that they don't know everything, but then also putting them in a position to see that and taste that little bit of success to break through what's holding them back from, from what really their potential is. Yeah, that's, that's actually, uh, that was the other thing that I wanted to mention that I totally forgot while I was talking is results. Because if they can get quick results, it's easy to believe, you know, it's uh, no different than teaching a kid in, in martial arts class, right? A kid that's hesitant, has low confidence. I mean, it's the exact same thing has low confidence. Hey, if we can get that kid in position to have a little bit of success early on, I mean, you guys know, or, or health coaching or whatever, you know, that they're, they're going to follow you to, you know, through a wall. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely hooked, and they have the the belief system is shifted now, and they can believe, rather you know, rather than this much more, now they can believe this much more. Yep. Right. So interesting, though, that you know, uh, the ten dollar increase thing that you talked about, I used that on a client of mine, and I said, listen, just raise it by ten bucks, and he did, and he got like five signups, and he goes, he actually texted me, he says. I kind of feel dirty. Like I, it was so easy. Like, I feel like I just did something wrong. And I'm like, that's the problem. Stop feeling guilty about charging what you're worth. And now his tuition is way, way higher than that. You know? So it is something that we always, and I think it goes back to the start of how we learn martial arts. I mean, you guys trained at all or not really in the martial arts. Did you both or not, not back younger, in the day? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so Dwayne and I are still there too. And it's like, there's always been this kind of like, two steps forward, kind of one, two, three steps back when it comes to training, like that, 
that mentality, like we have to feel pain in order for it, you know, no pain, no gain for us to grow. And, um, and that mentality is the same with our businesses. So we're sometimes if it's easy, it's a scam. Um, if it's, um, if it's, you know, uh, if it's making us way more money, you know, that must be that we're selling out, you know, right. things yeah. like that. And I think that that stigma is something that we do. And then again, that's, you mentioned before self-sabotage. Like, you know, holy crap, I, so many of my friends, I've coached them and they get to a point and then all of a sudden they start doing literally like stupid things that is quite obvious and they start boom, 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 killing themselves. And then they're back to where they were and they verify, see, it was short term. It didn't work, that kind of thing. And it's such a shame because, um, you know, it's part where kind of inbred in us as martial artists to feel that pain, to, to, you know, to make mistakes and so on. And, you know, it's, it's something that they need to overcome. So those are some great points that you guys said. Right. I was, uh, I, I was out, this was, uh, my, so one of my really good friends, uh, he went off to college and I didn't, I, you know, became a, uh, a, a meat cutter and then an assistant meat manager. And then uh, they wanted to open up a store you know, another store and wanted me to move, but I wanted to do martial arts. And so <clears throat> my, uh, my friend graduated college and he's out of college, got a job and we're out. And uh, we see this group of girls from high school. One of the girls he, he really liked in high school. So I happened to get up and go to the restroom. She walks up to him and says, Hey, starts talking to him. And he's like, all right, you know, and, uh, uh, he, well, anyways, I come back. I knew they were walking up and I come back and go, where did they go? And and he goes, oh, well, let me share with you what they said or what the girl said. And I said, yeah, go ahead. And he said, well, as soon as you left, she, she asked me, you still hang out with that nerd? Like she was talking about me. Well, first of all, I'm not the start, sharpest tool in the shed, so I'm not, definitely not a nerd. But <laughs> this was the thing uh, when you talk about beliefs. My friend said to her, he goes, nerd, my friend owns his own business. He makes more money than I do. And I have a college education. Uh, he said, I'm not talking anymore. Leave. And like <laughs> she left. And I just like, yeah, you know, so that yeah. that even that was like a, a, a mind yeah. shift for me, as stupid as that was. Yeah. Well, and that goes to Dwayne. I was actually thinking while Ali was talking, it's it, there's also so many things that are in our minds that are put there by other people and we don't even know it. I was yeah. reading a book called The Power of Consistency. I forget who the author was. It's an awesome book. Um, and he, he's a, he's an ex convict and, um, now he's a multi, I think he's worth like 50 to a hundred million dollars somewhere in there, um, coming out of prison and, and, and changing his life. But in the book, he talks about how, when he was growing up, his father, basically anytime someone had money, his father would always say something like, oh, they must be skimming some off the top or they, you know, yeah. they're dishonest. Yeah. So he grew up that, well, if I, if I want to make money, then I need to be dishonest, then I need to, and that's what got him in prison, um, is that he was doing all these schemes and scams to get, to quote unquote, get rid. Um, and, and that, that happens sometimes too. I mean, there's so many times where like, Dwayne, that was a perfect example. The fact that you were around someone that was like, look, actually, I'm going to speak life about this guy. I know who this guy is and I'm not going to sacrifice who this guy is to please someone else. And so often we put pe people around us that actually want to see us fail because it makes them feel better about themselves yeah. or they don't understand. And I think that's something that sometimes hits this industry hard when there is a big school that has 400 students and the immediate reaction is, oh, well, that's a McDojo. They're sacrificing the, the quality of their program. The integrity must be bad. Or that goes back to that narrative that we're putting in our own mind that we have no clue what's going on inside that building. Yeah. But then what that does is it hurts us because then it's like, well, I'll never get want to get that big. I'm going to sabotage myself because if I get that big, then I'm doing something wrong. I'm doing something bad, um, even though, hey, that 400 person school, hey, they might be teaching amazing martial arts classes and they have a great business sense so they can reach more people. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. favorite re my favorite rebuttal to that uh, big school automatically makes you a McDojo is that video of like uh, somewhere in China with this Kung Fu class that has like 3000 students and it's like the top school in the world. And they're all like doing these perfect forms, the all 3000 students across this huge, they're all doing this presentation. And uh, the bottom just says, tell me more students makes you a McDojo. <laughs> you know, prove me wrong or something like that. Like, no way, man, they're giving a quality class. Yeah. But I think one of the things, Ali, while you were talking too, made me think of another book called Psycho Cybernetics. 
Don't let the name scare you. It's actually a really great book. It's by Maxwell Maltz. It's from like, uh, it's written a long, long time ago, but it's, it's all, basically it's all about self image and the name, which sounds like, you know, something kind of like a horror movie or something. What it really is, is when he wrote the book, there was this new technology called cybernetics, which was what they were making, which that technology they were using for like self-guided missiles, where it would learn from its mistakes and guide itself to its target. Cybernetic mechanisms is what he keeps referring to it as. And psycho just meaning psychological is how he put the names of the book together. But really what he talks about is the self-image is what guides you. And you can use your conscious mind to change your self-image if you're aware of it. But if not, your self-image is unbiased and works on its own no matter what. So if your image of yourself is, I'm a type of person that uh, will never sacrifice my beliefs or my integrity to grow my school, and people who have big schools are McDojo owners, you'll never allow yourself to become a large school owner because your self-image is, I'll never do that. And the right. things that you think you have to do to get there will break who you are. And it's impossible for you to break out of that. Yeah. And so yeah. we actually do some exercises that we've drawn out of that book and some other trainings that we've done where before they ever even think about learning a process or running ads or anything like that, we run through this process that is an exercise on who they are, who they want to be. And then we show them, this is what you want for yourself. And look at these activities you're doing or not doing. That's exactly attributing to the fact that you can never do this. And we show it, we draw those lines. And that's like such an epiphany moment for most people where they go, oh, well, I want these students, but I believe that a big number makes you automatically McDojo, even though that's not true, even right. though it's not real, it's been part of my belief system. And when they're able to break that, that's when they can really make those breakthroughs and stop the self-sabotaging. So. so John, if I put a note next to my wife, Colleen's bedside that says my husband is amazing and hasn't gained any weight, does that mean? No, uh, no, no. <sighs> That was going to be my best diet plan. Yeah, yeah. I can help you. Your own self-image. Hey, check this out, though. That um, years ago, I had this uh, this beautiful clock. I still have it, but it stopped working, and it was an affirmation clock. So I'd set it to wake up, and then I recorded a message on it. Right, and uh, I forget what it was. I think it was something like, "I want to be the best husband and father ever. I will go on to make a difference in people's lives." And blah 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 blah. And that would wake me up slowly, quietly to a crescendo every morning. And I remember one time sitting at a dinner, and I said, uh, "I was explaining what I do for a living," and I hear my ex-wife at the time repeating word for word what my affirmation was on my clock. And he'll and he'll be the best father and husband ever. And you know, like so those interest the affirmation are so true and what we tell ourselves is so yeah. important just for reason uh, this past weekend I had a rather negative response from a parent who was going to renew uh, their child who's been training me for five years um, young girl started off so shy that she wouldn't even talk she'd whisper and put her head down and now she's on my demo team and so on so the dad sends me his agreement back he redlines like half of my contract and he's like, it's a new era, it's a new time, and I don't agree to you being allowed to take pictures of my daughter during class, because in there it has a picture waiver. God forbid we ever take a photo for Facebook. We don't want to have to get permission from everybody. So in little things like that, I'm like, sorry, I can't, I can't help you. You either sign it the way it is or you can't train. He's like, that's the problem with your arrogance and, and negativity. And I'm like, this guy has always been in my head. Every time we did anything, he's always complained and I've tolerated it. But the reason why I bring it up is because that's who he is. I'm never going to change him. Right. And, and sadly, the daughter suffering because of it. And sometimes school owners are just never going to change. Like I've had people that I've coached for years and they're stuck in the same rut that they've always been because they don't want to make that paradigm shift. They don't want to, they actually don't want to be a success. They don't realize it, but they really don't want to be a success because they sabotage themselves every step of the way. Well, Zig Ziglar talked about the fact that, you know, a message can travel around the world in a matter of seconds, but it, but sometimes it takes years before it penetrates the last three quarters of an inch. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, just for the listeners, you were pointing to your skull, right? So people know that it's that last three quarters of an inch of your skull. Yeah. And I was particularly talking about my skull, but yes. Yeah. Agreed. So, yeah. Well, guys, let, let's, let's, let's dive in a little bit more with regards to like right now in the industry, what are you sharing, you know, with, with your followers, um, you know, what they need to do 
because I guess what I'm thinking is like, now's the time to advertise. I, I mean, I, there isn't, I mean, I shouldn't say there isn't a better time uh, because actually in the middle of COVID was probably one of the best times. But, but now that we're here, what, what are you telling your people? So uh, not to be too lame or boring, but the rules really haven't changed that much. Uh, you know, we've kind of run on the, the, the belief that if you've got your foundations right and you've got the stuff in place the right way, uh, it's pretty evergreen. I know there's a lot of uh, advertisers out there, and I've actually been guilty of this in the past, is you have to have 50 different ways to get into your funnel or 50 different offers or all sorts of different ways or specials, or you've got to run a weekly special or a monthly special, or this is what we're doing for this season or that season. And the thing that we really figured out, which was a huge breakthrough for me, was we have one offer that we advertise year round. It's Love a free it. week of karate or whatever your art is. It's one offer. It works all the time, but it works great because there's a system behind it. So a lot of people have tried running a free week offer and never made any money on it or never enrolled any students on it because they don't have a system in place. So, you know, the, the, the skeleton of the system is we advertise a free week year round because it works all the time. It always attracts people. It's simple. People understand it. You don't have to explain it. It, it doesn't have to sound, you know, fancy. You don't have to put a Christmas spin on it or anything like that. It's a free week of lessons. And then when they come in for the first lesson, we give them an option to upgrade to a longer trial with a free uniform if they want to. And we don't do any sales tricks. We don't overcome any objections. We don't have any sales training because the one thing I know about martial arts school owners is they hate doing sales and they don't want to be a salesperson. And they don't want to be sleazy or they don't want to overcome. No one in the world, by the way, loves to overcome objections. I used to work in the timeshare industry. I was a timeshare salesperson and then I was a sales manager. And then I owned my own timeshare resale company. And all we did all day long was overcome objections. I mean, I could teach you every possible tool that has ever been imagined by mankind because I went through so much training for that. But no one likes doing it, even the best salespeople in the world. And, and what's the greatest thing about uh, the way that our process is set up is you'll never have to do that because it helps people make micro commitments, small little tiny decisions, and then they make it on their own. So it's not you overcoming an objection. It's exactly what every school owner wants. It's people who want to train, that want to come in, making the decision to do it. And so the, the process behind the scenes is free week of karate. Day one, we say, hey, I see you're here on the free week of karate. That's awesome. You could do that. Or you could do this paid trial, which is 67 bucks for a whole month. Then you get a free uniform. Which one do you want to do? And sometimes they'll stand there for 30 seconds to a minute and then they'll go, yeah, I'll do the, I'll do the paid one. That's a better deal to me. And they make that decision and instantly they become a member of your school in their minds. Even though they're still on a trial, the trial part makes it easy for them to say, oh, this is just a trial. I'm just still trying it. But they talk about it differently. So when mom's at uh, her friend's house and she's talking about little Johnny, she doesn't say he's trying karate anymore. If it was a free, all she did was a free week, she'd say, oh, he's trying karate. And it'd be one lesson and he'd never go back because the second lesson he'd be playing Fortnite and mom would be like, come on, time for class. And he'd say, I don't want to go. And she'd say, all right, never mind. However, if Johnny joined karate, she's talking to her friends. She said, Johnny joined karate because she paid money. Now she talks about it like she's joined it. He's already a member, even though he's on a trial. When little Johnny's playing Fortnite and says, I don't want to go to class. She goes, oh, no, mister. Put that uniform on because we're going to class. I already paid for it. So it changes the mindset at home of mom, too. And then... They get a couple of weeks to try it out. They get the most out of it. If you have good classes, they love the classes. And then at the second week, you go, hey, I know you're here on the month trial, but if you want to join right now, we'll apply that whole month to your first or that whole that whole trial amount to your first month. And that way you're only paying whatever the difference is. Do you want to just go ahead and join now? And about 50% of the people that did that trial will join in that second week. And now you've got people who want to join who've paid for their seat. And the beauty is this flywheel effect happens where all that trial money that comes in pays for all of your ads. 
So you're basically getting free leads. You have an unlimited budget. You can bring in as many students as you want to, essentially without any money out of your pocket. And the only people you're talking to are the highest qualified, most interested leads that have already joined in their minds that are joining your school. So that's, that's the same thing we've been doing forever. Uh, and it's the same thing that worked all through COVID. We just put a little virtual spin on it instead of doing you know, in-person classes, we taught everybody how to use Zoom, which is about a 30-minute <laughs> lesson, you know. Right. Even the worst uh, the worst technically challenged people can learn how to use Zoom pretty quick. And then we just started advertising a free virtual week. And that was, like you said, Dwayne, a glory day for sure for the, the ones that did it because everybody wanted something to do. Yes. And the virtual classes, one of our clients actually came up with this idea. He recorded a couple of classes, put them in a Facebook group, labeled them day one, day two, day three, or lesson one, two, three. And when he was selling his paid trial over the phone, he said, I see you've signed up for the free trial. That's great. You can access that in our Facebook group. It's a bunch of pre-recorded videos. But if you want to take the paid trial, you get live classes for 67 bucks and I'll send you a uniform or you can come pick it up. And it was like, no brainer. We were almost hundred percent, right? It was about 80% on the phone of people who signed up for a free week. Then he'd send them a message that says, hey, I see you signed up for the free week. I just have a couple questions. And you'd get on the phone, you'd go through our script that we actually had to hire a consultant to pay. <laughs> we paid a consultant a good amount of money to come up with the script because we just wanted to turn on a dime. We didn't want to try an error. And we just hired somebody, got the script. It worked great. And 80% of the people who we talking, he still to this day is using that script for his in-person lessons because it saves him time. He just loves the process of getting him on the phone before they come into school. He's collecting a credit card over the phone, signing him up for the trial. That way when they come in, they're already members. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I, I love what you said too, that you know you have to overcome that objection in the beginning and not necessarily by selling, but by giving them an opportunity to have a different choice, right? And then once they're connected to the program, even if it's just for that $69 free month in uniform, um, they do believe that they're a part of the tribe or the, the family and the mentality, and it's less likely that they're going to want to stop anyway. Mm -hmm. So you know what I find interesting? I, 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 being that even when I coach people and even some of our, um, our marketing guy does this and he has struggles with school owners where they're always constantly judging the leads on quality versus judging their ability to connect with the students. So it's almost like if you had a mailing list of all successful people that make $100,000 plus a year that are willing to sign up immediately to your school, I'd buy that list any day. However, there's no such thing. So I, I'm happy. Like I get people walking through the door of all um, you know, income streams, you know, people that are, you know, hardworking landscapers, you know, from to, you know, white collar millionaires, you know, and uh, I, I find that I treat them all the same. I don't care what their income is. I don't care what they do for a living. I don't care what kind of car they drive. All I do is present my program and, and, you know, really work with their children or themselves to, to give them what we do. And then hopefully they fall in love with what we do and sign right up. So I think a lot of school owners are, they have a problem with that part, that, that connecting part. That's the only way you're going to get people to sign up. So like you said, if they buy that special, now you all you care about is connecting with them. You have to communicate, develop a relationship. And then once you do, most likely they're going to sign up. You well, know, I like what you're doing too, is you're, you're, you know, you're asking them out on a date, they show up for the date. And then, you know, in this instance, you're saying, hey, you know, we can do this date, but if you want to do a bigger date, you can just buy dinner right now. I mean, that's basically what you're doing. Right, right. <laughs> and they're going, they're going, uh, okay, I'll buy dinner right now. I mean, uh, I know I'm, I'm being goofy. Well, with that, actually, you're kind of on point because we don't do that. We don't offer that second thing until the, they finish the class. So they've actually been through the date. So it's almost like asking for the second date but with a little bit more, a little more of a commitment, but a better incentive. Right. So it's kind of like, hey, you know, I know I brought you to McDonald's today, but uh, if you want to go out again, I always take my second date to the fancy steakhouse down the road. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, but you're buying. <laughs> uh, right. But isn't it all about 
first impressions as well. I mean, I don't think school owners take enough time to number one, develop their craft as far as speaking to people and developing relationships or two, um, having a, something set up. Like we, we had Master Chung Park on last week. He says when people come in for their first class, he has a gift package that he gives them with a water bottle with his logo on it and a whole entire informational package, like a little gift waiting in a bag for them to pick up, you know. And a stuffed so, toy, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's, I, I, I do a stuffed toy too. I don't know if he does as well, but like I have a little plush eagle. I have these guys from, they're on my shelf here that, that we've made out of a book I wrote. And uh, this is for my little kids class. The adults don't really want these, but but I have <laughs> these two characters, right? And I, I give them to the kids. They, they I have hundreds and hundreds of them. So as they come in, I'm like, here's a present for you guys. And just the other day, I had a parent come in. I have a book that was another one of our guests, Solomon Brenner wrote called Black Belt Parenting. So I bought like 70 books. and um, I give them out to all the parents as a gift. I, even if they're coming back or not, I don't care. I'm like, this is just for you guys, just so you have it. So I'm constantly nurturing that relationship. And I think school owners fail at that const constantly. It's almost like Dwayne said on dating. I visited Dwayne in, in, uh, in his hometown and I brought an ex-girlfriend and we were all done when he had some private time with me. He's like, she's just not good for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't like her at all. Well, 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 he was totally right. You know, I knew that she was a little nutty and crazy. I'm just um, glad we had that relationship that I could actually tell you that. Yeah, exactly. And I, but I agreed with you, you know, like, but that first <laughs> impression is everything and school owners fail badly with that tremendous. And that's where it all starts is a big mistake. Well, I think it goes back to what we said earlier, Ali, is is this idea of if I do those things, it's going to water down the integrity of my program. Yeah. Um, and, and the biggest hurdle I find in that is that, well, my curriculum is good, so people will come, which it's that's the most important thing. We're not telling anybody to have a watered down curriculum. Um, but again, it just goes back to having that mindset that I need to meet people where they're at. And I need to understand that, like, for example, when I when I took my daughter to um, karate for the first time, first of all, a, her best friend in school was in it. So it was like, all right, she wanted to go. Right. Um, it was an ATA school here in Atlanta, pretty big you know, organization, Karate Atlanta. And um, me as a parent, honestly, I didn't Now I want a good curriculum. Don't don't get me wrong. I don't want it to be a total waste of time. But that was not the number one thing on my priority list. Exactly. The number one thing was, is it a clean environment? Is it a friendly environment? Is it people that care about my daughter? Um, is she excited to be there? Right. And then the rest is, you know, is, is going to take care of itself. The, the curriculum is going to be icing on the cake as, as time goes on. And um, it, I, I think, again, to me, from what I hear is, and I get it because the most important thing is a good curriculum. So I totally understand the fear of, well, if I do these things, I'll be sacrificing the integrity of my program. But you don't have, you can have, you can have integrity in everything you do. Um, and the more you do, the more it's going to like you, I could tell Ali when you showed those little stuffed animals that you're excited about getting, yeah. it's not some sales tactic you have, right. you're excited about the joy that those kids are going to have Exactly. But just as much as I'm going to be excited about that eight year old that passes their belt test. I'm going to be just as excited to give the four year old a little stuffed animal because it all, it all comes together in the end. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, I'm just going to add on to that. One thing I think that is a big eye opener for a lot of school owners is when they realize that they are not their ideal client. <laughs> like right. you don't want a bunch of yous running around your school, your ideal client. And most school owners know who they're trying to attract, whether they want kids classes or teen classes or adult classes, men's fitness, women's fitness, whatever they're after. They know who they're after, but then they advertise to them as if they're advertising to themselves. And what right. they don't realize is that, you know, that's that's usually a big like eye popping moment when when they go, oh, my ideal client doesn't think like I think. Right. You know, it's interesting, though. I, I build websites for people. Right. You know, and we have a website company and uh, I have to just it's torture to get the owner of the school not to list every single accomplishment that they've ever made in their entire life, starting off with when they first potty trained, you know, like, <laughs> it's like, like, dude, no one cares. Like the only thing you could do, and I try, and I, I'm a, a good writer. I've written a bunch of books. So I'll try to craft their message in a way where it's storytelling and how all those accomplishments will benefit the student. Because we all know that if it doesn't benefit the client or the parent and their child, then there's no sense in having, you know, even having them in your school because, uh, you know, so that's a big problem. So it's about that message, you know, understanding that, no, you're not the, 
you're not the ideal client. You, you know, you, it doesn't matter. You're not going to take that four-year-old and turn him into a pit fighter or, and, and, you know, or have Muay Thai champion right now, you know, maybe later on, but that you got to, you got to appeal to the desires of the actual student. Well, that's the whole thing uh, about having black belt eyes. And, and, you know, we're, sometimes we look at um, our marketing and, and our communication as if we're talking to black belts and we can't use that same language. You know, we, we count with Korean in our studio. And if I were to talk Korean to a student, a parent that's coming in, they wouldn't understand what I'm talking about unless they actually were Korean, obviously, right? So, um, or that they've studied Korean. So we've got to be very careful that in, and Travis, I think you brought this up, that we've got to meet them where they're at. And so we have to be able to speak their, their language of where they're at and make that communication um, so good that they go, yeah, wow, this guy or this gal, they, they get me. They understand what I'm looking for. Um, and, you know, that's like one of the things that we do is we have what we call a discovery session. And uh, uh, it's, it's just a survey that they fill out, you know, after their second class. Um, and basically it's for us, you know, we want to discover, you know, what it is that you're looking for out of a martial arts program for, for yourself or Johnny, whichever, you know, little Johnny, whatever. Um, and, you know, the video that goes along with it, I just tell them that I want to make sure that, you know, one, that I know what you're looking for, but two, that we can actually deliver on what you're looking for. Because if we can't, I want to let you know that, you know, this is unrealistic for us. We're not equipped to be able to do this. And there are some circumstances and situations that we're not equipped for. And I'll be real and honest with you if we're not. Right. That reminds yeah. me of when I first started teaching um, at a college. I was a history major. And so you have to do student teaching. You know, you go in and you spend a semester as a college student teaching classes. And the first class I taught was 10th grade world history. I still really remember. I remember because I'm coming from a college level education where we're going super in depth into historical content. So my first lesson was really, really like way too um, high level. Advanced, yeah. And I remember like leaving just like distraught because this is like the career I've chosen. I'm, I'm sitting there crying in the car. I'm calling my brother-in-law who's a teacher. I'm like, this is a total disaster. Praise God that these kids were just like the sweetest kids. And they just sat there and took this hour long, like terrible Lecture. presentation. Professor, yeah, yeah. professor teaching college. Uh, exactly. to so like 14 year olds, right? Who yeah. don't care. They're only there because they have to be mandated by the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah. And, uh, but it was a really big eye opener that, hey, they he he told me the best advice I got from him is you, and it's it's going to sound terrible, but it, it, the root of it is good. He's like, you need to remind yourself that every kid in that room is just stupid. Yeah. And he didn't mean like they don't have the ability. It's just right. that like, you got to just under, pretend that they know absolutely nothing about anything. Yeah, they're ignorant. You go from there. Yeah. yeah. The, the word I use all the time is ignorant, but people take offense to that. And technically, the definition is just you don't know. That was lack of knowledge. That's what ignorance is. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And you know what's interesting, Dwayne, what you said, too, about Korean, um, and I know we're almost out of time, is that, you know, it's not even the terminology or the language. It's just about the martial arts in general. You know, a parent walks in, they heard karate is good. They don't have any idea how and, and why. So we have to understand from our past experiences what benefits. You know, like you, you see a three-year-old little girl and you go, okay, great. This is what we do for them. And they said, I'm a dad and I could do this and that. And people need to find that happy way of pointing that out to the parents. Right. And it's important or to the student or the prospect and so on. Right. So, yeah, very well. Cool. And, you know, the other thing along with that is we if we know that we have that opportunity, then we actually have the opportunity to craft the story mm -hmm. that that will, um, you know, that they can believe in. And I don't mean it in a bait and switch type of way, but but craft that story that they go, wow, I didn't realize that you can get this much out of martial arts. Yeah. Whether it's whether it's you, you know, what you say and how you say it, um, whether it's, you know, what your program director says and how they say it, the testimonials that they're listening to yeah. or getting access to the, you know, all of those help to craft that story. So if yeah. we as martial artists can go, wow, you know, we, we really have an opportunity to, we're going to use your paradigm, right? To change yeah. the, the paradigm of the parent, because when they come in, they're thinking what just in most cases, they're just thinking, you know, very one way. And, yeah. you know, my, I want my kid to have self-discipline or respect or, you know, whatever the three things are and, yeah. they, and that's it. 
But when they're able to see, oh, this connects to this, this connects to that, this connects to this. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that, you know, within four years, my kid could be, you know, a black belt and then teaching and uh, leading others to do that. And the leadership qualities that they're going to gain. Yeah. I mean, just all of those things need to be in the story, I think. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah. So, so I know we're running close on time and you have to be done immediately at the top of the hour. So I don't know if you wanted to, we want to talk about, we're going to be doing a really amazing event coming up. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a webinar that we're going to host. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously John, um, you know, we, we, uh, we, we asked you as our expert to, uh, you know, to, you know, really kind of wow us with this webinar. So John, do me a favor if you would, and uh, just tell the listeners one, you know, what we're going to do on this webinar and then uh, two, you know, how they can get access to it. And I know that we're going to put the link underneath this video too. And then by the way, those of you that are listening via podcast, um, you know, you can go to schoolandtalk.com forward slash, oh, what is it? Let me mm -hmm. look it up here. Uh, 276. So forward slash 276. Schoolownertalk.com forward slash 276 uh, will get you to the link as well. But John, what are we going to go over? Explain it, everybody. Yeah. So uh, it's pretty simple. We're going to do a webinar on how to enroll more paying students. <laughs> it's something that you can use this month. John, is this webinar free? This is a free webinar. Yes. Okay. I know <laughs> it is, but I just want to make sure everybody understands that. Yes. Yes. Free masterclass how to enroll paying students. Uh, and it's not going to require you to hire an ad agency or pay thousands of dollars to some agency every month. It's going to show you how to do it without using any complicated technology, uh, really simple, basic stuff that you can implement right away. We're going to show you some of the things that all the most successful school owners that we know are doing right now and uh, exactly what you can do to start enrolling those students. We're going to show you the strategies that we've been using to add these students, even during some of the worst lockdowns in 2020. We're going to show you why this really is now is the time to market your school. Um, and we're going to go really kind of more in depth into our two-step value ladder system. We touched a little bit on that here, but we'll do a much deeper dive into that and basically show you how you can start running ads without actually paying money out of your pocket to do that. So we're going to give you that whole breakdown in that process. It's a hundred percent free masterclass. Um, it's going to be really, really awesome. The link, I believe uh, you guys have that, but I, is it join yeah, dot join dot training forward slash school owner talk. So awesome. Join dot training slash school owner talk. Uh, and then also you can go to school talk.com forward slash, like I said, uh, two, seven, six and get the link there as well. Uh, you know, either, either one. And then uh, day and time, day and time. We're doing this next week, right? Yeah, next Tuesday, that's April 27th at noon Eastern time. So that's next Tuesday, April 27th, noon Eastern. And is that Central or Eastern, you said? Eastern time. Eastern, okay. Noon Eastern. And we're going to also do, by the end of it, we'll do a full training on there. And then we'll also do a live Q&A. So if you don't get your questions answered as we're going through the training, you can chat in with us live. And we'll be there to answer those chats. Travis will be monitoring the chat. I know you guys will probably be there uh, monitoring the chat as well. And um, I'll be doing, I'll be uh, doing a lot of talking. <laughs> yeah. You guys will be monitoring the chat. So we'll have all those questions answered. Usually at the end of the Q and A time, we've got a bunch of questions already submitted. Travis will read those to me. I'll start answering them live on the call, and uh, and then it'll be. It's going to be a super value-packed, awesome thing. We're not holding anything back on that webinar. I think we're also giving some cool things away for free at the end as well, right? We have some gifts, gifts and stuff like that. Perhaps. We'll just have to see about that. I guess you'll just have yeah. to attend live to find out. Exactly. So here's the link again. It's join.training uh, forward slash schoolownertalk.com. It's join.training forward slash schoolownertalk.com. It is next Tuesday on the 27th Eastern time. You said at noon, right? Eastern time. Yep. Yeah. New Eastern. All right. I have it in my calendar. I just don't have it up in my head. I don't have to remember it. Travis, you were saying? I was saying it's that three quarters of an inch. It's going to take some time to get up there. It's yeah. my fault. Yes, is what you're saying. I got you. <laughs> so. Well, uh, gentlemen, we really appreciate you being a part of the podcast today. Thank you very much. Uh, any any final thoughts before we go? It's always a pleasure being out with you guys. Yeah, really enjoy it. Thank you, guys. Part. 
Thanks for joining us for another episode of Martial Arts School Owner Talk Podcast. This would not be possible if it weren't for the support of our amazing sponsors. Please check out EliteInsights.com for all your website needs. LeadHunterMedia.com, your online digital marketer and content provider. Academy Kings BJJ Growth Consulting and Management at GrowMyAcademy.com. SparkMembership.com, the best darn software for school owner manager on the planet. GetKarateStudents.com, a martial arts growth consulting company for all your school systems. We will see you next time.